On this podcast, we talk about different areas of business and all things marketing. My name is Dave Doyle. And I'm Dave Alton. And this is Social Antics, another marketing podcast. Ready to go, Dave? Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Social Antics with myself, Dave, and producer Owen. Dave, how are you this week? I'm fantastic. Good. Uh, You're looking slick. I know one of us had to make a fucking effort yeah, to yeah, up yeah. glasses a small bit. Yeah, you look like you look like you're straight in from the Holy Communion now, in fairness. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I had a meeting earlier on with a man with a really, really big desk, so therefore I had to uh, impress. Uh, yeah, I had to impress basically. Yeah, yeah but um, yeah, no, it was good. Um, so therefore, I'm dressed like. A waiter in a Spanish cocktail. Oh no, no, you're basically. looking well, looking yeah. well, yeah, yeah. showing yeah. us up. Yeah, absolutely, up. as I usually do. You're back from your holidays to Galway. Went on holidays to Galloway, a bunch of the lads. Great crack, great city. Always um, a good spot. The second uh, second night we were there, we went up to this kind of um, old castle or something like that. And um, there was this fella got up and started just playing on the piano. Bit eccentric. You'd know he wasn't really the... You yeah, wouldn't, no, get, you wouldn't, exactly. you wouldn't get in Cork, like. No, no, no. And uh, we're there going, who the fuck paid for this fella? It was the owner of the hotel. And apparently he does it every night and has done for the last 20 though? years. Entertaining, yeah. But two of my favourite places in Galway, I can't wait to get back up and try them, is Dobro's. Did you try there? Pizza. Pizza, yeah. yeah. They do unbelievable pizza. Uh, one of the best ones. Won loads of awards. And the second place was the Jungle Cafe. Um, I presume they're still open they're just off the main square but they have this kind of side alley and it's all you know plants and overgrown and couches and all this kind of stuff like it was really really cool uh, so I'm looking forward to getting back up there yeah yeah I was there for your stag I know you were home yeah. the next day but yeah yeah, yeah. that's where I remember from yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Uh, we get back there someday so um, this week you brought the alcoholic beverage what did you pick up I did I picked it up um, not on my way back because that would be a lie um, but it's from Roy River Brewing. Um, they were established in 2013, and we have their Coastal IPA. Um, the cans are cool. The cans are really cool. Mm. It's like for any of the the listeners, as opposed to the watchers, it looks like a Fenerbahce jersey. Um, so right. really, really bright yellow and black. Yeah, yeah I suppose <laughs> I don't know what Fenerbahce is, but um, nice. What I like about it again is that it's all the just what you need to know. Simple. Again, simple. So. Side of the can reads, a modern IPA loaded with notes of citrus, pink grapefruit and a resinous tropical character packed in an oat, wheat and barley haze. Um, it's smooth and hoppy um, and the aroma is pink grapefruit and citrus. And it says on the can, and I don't know how they justify this exactly, but it says it is brewed by the most decorated brewery. Which I presume means they've got like potted plants and Christmas trees and all that kind of stuff up in the brewery. Yeah, they're 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 betting on the awards. They have what is it, 150 awards. Yeah. It's a lot. It is actually quite nice. It is not bad, yeah. To yeah, be fair. Loads of awards on the side I don't understand though. So like you have unpasteurized, centrifuge, natural sedimentation, just loads of big words. I haven't a clue what they mean. Now we should get if there's any um brewer out there that wants to educate us and uh, <laughs> pay, pay, and, and pay us for the privilege of doing so, sponsorship is available. Just email <laughs> Sponsorship at I don't know what's our email address. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll figure it out later on. We'll figure it out later on. Just message us on Instagram. Yeah, that'll do. I'll look after because Dave doesn't do any social stuff. So social media <laughs> stuff. Yeah, I do lots of social stuff. So anything exciting pop up for you this week in terms of news or anything? 
No, you were meant to go first. Am I going first? Yeah, you were meant to go first. Well, the big one is salary. So obviously I'm out of a job by the end of this. So <laughs> salary was a big one this week. I spotted from FRS Recruitment here in Ireland. So they done a bit of a survey and it came out to say that 70% of us say that a lack of salary on job adverts will put us off even applying. And I seen uh, one of the reporters from Virgin Media picked it up and that's where I copped it, saying that do we think salary should be put on jobs? So I'll leave it over to you. What do you think? Um, yeah, um, but not just salary, the actual progression, um, promotion opportunities, the scaling of that salary mm. also needs to be very, very clear because like if you go into, so let's say you're, it depends what level you're at, right? So you come out of college, let's say, and you're going into a marketing exec job, 30 grand a year, let's just say, um, that's fine as a starting point, but if you haven't negotiated that you're going to get increments of 5%, 10%, whatever it is every year, or you won't have the opportunity to actually get promoted once every two, three years, that 30 grand when you're five years older is a lot less money than what you would have started off with, right? So I don't, I don't see the big problem in not listing all that stuff. Do you know, I don't... I, do but what's, you know, what's the difference? So you need to know, if you're going into a role... But if you're going into a role that you know is, like, we'll just say a, a, a bigger multinational or corporate or whatever, yeah. you know that there's plenty of steps on a ladder, you know there's a lot above you in terms of different levels, different grades, you know, that you know it's going to be a big team, it's not just going to be you running in yeah, the whole marketing absolutely, team. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. But, like, that you kind of expect that there is going to be some sort of progression. You, know, you can talk about when you go in to a meeting, but I don't think they need to list all that out in the no, job. I, I, no, I disagree. I think when you're going for a job, you should know what the benefits are. You should know what the... Um, and again, I'm but not the saying... benefits is different to me than the progression. So like... No, I'm saying the whole remuneration yeah. package needs to be included. So if you're going in, and again, like I said, if you're going in day one and it's a good salary and you're happy with it, that's fine. But if you're not going to be happy with what the progression and promotion opportunities are, that hurts both you and it hurts the company as well. So if you, again, if you have someone who goes into an organization and they're going in as we say a marketing, head of marketing or something, let's say they're an SME, that role is advertised at 45 grand. In their budget, ultimately, it's 45 grand no matter what. That ain't going higher. Um, that's it. That's what it is. Yeah. You need to be told that up front so that you're not then going to your boss the next year saying, I'm expecting a 47 and a half and then I'm expecting a 50 and then I'm expecting... Because again, if that's not in their budget, then you are going to be disappointed and the employer is going to be disappointed. So I think for everyone, it's better if everyone is just well, up I think front with... salary is definite in my opinion. I wrote yeah, back absolutely. to it and I said 100% it should be because... There's nothing worse. I even, even myself, I went, I, I, I know someone that was going for a job interview and I was talking to him the whole way through it and basically went through about three or four stages of a job interview. Promising, looked like it was all going ahead and then literally at the last hurdle, no. Do you know, we're going, so we're going a different direction. I just thought it was awful to string someone along and not even knowing the salary, not knowing anything, putting all this work in interviews online, do you know, maybe some sort of tests or whatever, you know, all this aptitude, all this kind of crap. Basically. Well, that happens, but I would also say employees or prospective employees do that as well no I get, I get that but the thing is those should be set out from the start about kind of how many even level like a lot of these things don't even set how many levels of interviews you're going to go through yeah do you know which I think is an awful no way that's what I'm saying I, I'm saying the, the best thing is to be everyone to be transparent up front in terms of your remuneration package that includes your salary your benefits um, what the progression and promotion is like um, 
and again, okay, you don't need to go into absolute granularity of detail that you're going to get this increase in two years, but even just saying we do promotion rounds once every 24 months, these are the criteria that we look for, we promote 10% of our staff within X amount of years, just so to give some idea, because ultimately if you set expectations for people, then they aren't disappointed in their working for that company and there's no surprises there. Um, and also the company is not going to have to hire again when those people ultimately decide to leave. Now again, if you're only going into a job for whatever, two, three years, then it probably doesn't really matter, right? Because you're going in, you're doing a job, you're probably moving on elsewhere and that's where you're getting your bump. But if you're someone who likes to be in the same company for three, four, five, six, whatever amount of years and it's a bigger project for you, then again, I think you need to be very, very upfront in terms of over the first couple of years anyway, what the potential opportunity is for promotion, progression, etc. I just think it's important for Do you to think notice. the same for... We say the high level, the big, big jobs, the big CEO jobs where you're talking, you know, six figure kind of numbers. Yeah, but you see, they, that's different though, because they will always have a bonus or performance bonus built into their packages anyway. So those don't matter as much because it's entirely based on performance. A company is either generating revenue, not generating revenue or whatever the benchmarks or KPIs they're using are. But again, and that's important for an interview candidate to know. And again, maybe this doesn't necessarily need to be listed, but something that should be fleshed out before you take a job, as opposed to when you get into the job is, what do they define success in your role to be? Mm. What KPIs am I being measured against? Yeah, is sure. it going to be, am I, is it based on my sales targets? Am I not expected to be measured against sales? And it's more my helping out a particular team or my contributing ideas. What is it that you expect from me in this role within the first 12, 18 months so that then you can benchmark yourself against what that criteria actually is because otherwise you could think you're doing a great job and your employer could think or your boss could think this fella's absolutely useless altogether. Yeah. So again, being open and honest and transparent with everyone in your organization and between the employer and the employee or the whatever your, your head of department, division, whatever the story is, I just think it's healthy. It's healthy to have an open, transparent relationship with everyone in an organization. I think even on the employer's, sorry, the employee side of things, if you're at, we'll just say, as you said, 30 grand kind of job level, and next thing you're seeing jobs for 60, 70 grand, all you're seeing is the money. But, you know, your next thing is going, is, you would hope that that kind of money would deter or, you know, flesh out a lot of the crap applicants basically because they're not at that level like you know whereas a lot of people then once they start seeing those big numbers they're, I'll give it a go I'll give it a chance I'll try and go yeah, for it no, but they're I, not at that I, level absolutely and especially for so like we work for SMEs right and people obviously SA and SC and SME and they're like okay they're not going to pay any more than 40-50 grand you're hiring for a general manager or an operations manager or something like that someone high up in that organisation you could be paying 70, 80, 90, 100 grand if it's for a very, very specific role within that organization. Um, With those, like, that's a serious investment at the SME level. You'd want to be getting someone that's going to come in and make a exactly. huge change into the organization. And my point there with them is that, one, if you stay what the salary is, one, you're not deterring anyone who might be actually expecting that salary and is good enough to earn that salary, but would think, oh no, they're a small company, they would never pay that salary. But at the same time, it also enables someone who is possibly with another SME, maybe on a slightly lower wage bracket, who wants a jump, but it's been very, very successful, saying, okay, I was on 50, now I'm going to move into a different... Um, Why is that moving? I don't know, it just caught my attention there, I think. Well, Graham, we'll say nothing. <laughs> Nothing's well, changed, is, has it? This is great for the people listening on Spotify. 
Yeah, yeah, anyway. sorry, yeah. So what's basically happened here is that the drink I have in front of me keeps on wobbling on the table, and I don't know We're why. In a haunted bar. Bar is haunted. <laughs> Owen's back, and he's fucking bugged the place with something. Which, Actually, uh, we never mentioned Owen's back. Yeah, he's back from his trip to New York. Owen is back from his trip to New York. Um, so he lovely slum- trip to New York. slumming it up for five days in Times Square. He was me bollocks. He was talking about all his cocktails and New York sours, and I don't know what he what else he was talking. Dying about in this anymore. restaurant from this movie. Exactly. And, yeah, yeah. But you know, what? it's good to have him back. So what I had last week? Fish and chips, and he was <laughs> off in fucking New York. But anyway, ketchup or mayo. <laughs> Um, tartar sauce fish and chips what are you a monster fancy fancy out so driving on quickly what else have you got for this week no I think you were actually for the second round as well in terms of what you were talking about you're getting about. away very lightly here <laughs> yeah. you are no to be fair I don't so what I have here is that um, yeah so online fashion retailer Misguided has called in administrators after failing to secure a rescue bid so Misguided you'll know kind of fast fashion retail brand um, focused on men and women's clothing and them calling an administrator basically means they owe their suppliers several million quid um, and those suppliers have basically said to a court we want you to go in and start getting our money for us um, which means that that company is going to go to business in the next um, in the next number of months just seems months to be happening to a lot of business in that space recently in the last couple of years it is I mean look I think there's a number of things here right so one We've said it on here on multiple occasions that um, consumers, in particular your Gen Z, your millennials, are looking for brands that are more ethical, sustainable, etc. Now Zara is still doing pretty well, but anyway, in a lot of cases they don't or they don't support businesses that are overtly unethical. And misguided has been found on a number of occasions to have, for example, suppliers that pay their workers below minimum wage. Um, they got criticised. I think it was back in twenty twenty where they were selling bikinis for a pound and people were basically saying, well, if you're selling that for a pound, then there is no way that you can get that to the customer for a pound and make a profit without there being some sort of exploitation across the supply chain. So therefore, again, you're behaving unethically somewhere along the line, even though we may not necessarily know where that might be. Um, So, and again, for me, there's a number of reasons why this may be the case. That's one of them. And the second is... And you, we, you work with a number of companies and I work with a number of companies who are SMEs would have been turning over anywhere between, let's say, one and five million quid a year in their retail store. And now all of a sudden they've digitized, they've gone online using something like a Shopify. And now they're competing, not on the global stage, because they'd never compete with someone like an ASOS. But if that company is generating or is increasing its revenue from five million to seven and a half million, that's two and a half million that isn't going to an ASOS yeah. and misguided. And you multiply that by several thousand because of the way that these retailers operate. And you can see how it can be very, very damaging to the bigger lads in the in the market. Come back to the shop waiting in a minute. I think it's interesting because like, you talked there about the sustainability and that kind of stuff. And that there's a certain audience looking for that. But then there's a whole audience there that would shop in the likes of these kind of stores or fast fashion stores that literally just can't afford the kind of sustainability because it is could be twice the price sometimes you know because of what they're going down but i i do think there is an audience there that are careful about how they shop are looking out for these kind of clothing but then there's others that just want the disposable clothing done dusted quick cheap it'll do for this Uh, weekend i know and that happens but i suppose there's so many of them out there anyway um but then the reason why it's important as you go on to the shopify stuff the, the reason why a lot of them then don't operate online 
is because that's how they keep their costs down by just having a store like pennies or something like that it's just a store it's easy going disposable done they're back in again next week buying another yeah, one and, they, and they're built their whole model is based on football and their margin is based on football so that, that that's fine but I suppose again there's the the, the problem here is that there is not one singular reason mm. why these companies have lost market share and thus had a resulting um, decrease in revenue. It's multiple different things. More competitive market is one because one of the bigger players are more competitive with each other. And in a lot of cases, it's a bit of a race to the bottom. Mm. Like if you're selling bikinis for one pound, you're not making a hell of a lot of profit no. off of that. That's a lot of bikinis. You know what I mean? So the, the point here is that if they're racing to the bottom and then you've also got a number of local retailers there or you've got um, retailers who are specialist boutiques mm. or whatever the case may be and they're now all competing in an online world, there's less of... It's the same pie, same e-commerce market and it's being split up between more and more players and ultimately with a brand like Misguided that I would imagine spends a hell of a lot of money on advertising, you're going to have to have a really, really low customer acquisition cost and a really really high retention rate to make that business model work and obviously it's just not working for them anymore but the shopify thing then like that's changed the game for so many even smes and uh, large oh, companies yeah. whichever that's changed the game in the last couple of years because it's made it so accessible to have your e-commerce platform but in a in an easier way you know it's not spending absolute thousands and thousands on creating a store you know you can actually do it yourself like you know and that's their whole model is you, you create your yourself, store from yeah. your bedroom basically you can no i mean look i do believe that there is still and look you can if you're a small shop and you want to scale your business up by a few grand every month you can go on you can create the store yourself happy days i do think if you're at that kind of one to five million in your own retail store you probably need to go something for a bit higher than that so you're probably talking a 20 to 25 grand build probably for a website to get all the bells and yeah, whistles but, but, and stuff but like Shopify that. But Shopify is able to do it. Do you know Shopify are hosting some of the biggest sites in Ireland at the moment in terms of e-commerce? No, no, no. My point is that you get your designer to build on Shopify. Oh, sorry. Shopify. Yes, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So you have yeah. something which is bespoke to you. Yes, yes. But you're using the Shopify backend and ecosystem and stuff like that. And again, before, like, so even for myself, for example, if I go into a client and they're using Shopify, the first thing that I will say to them is that your EPOS system, which is your till system, also has to be converted to yes, Shopify. To get so the now, full benefits. So now everything talks to each other. Whereas before, if you were using, and we won't mention other e-commerce platforms out there, but they were clunky, they didn't talk to till systems, so therefore the stock didn't match, stock control was very, very but the difficult. Biggest, the biggest thing I've found about them is they're not user-friendly. They're user-friendly for someone that's been doing this for the last 20 you years. You savvy, yes. I can't even go in there. I hate working with them because it's just so awkward yeah. and difficult. Shopify, if you spend enough time at it and work at it, anyone really can do it oh, if yeah, you have a, a, a bit of a savvy brain about you. So, But I still think that like I, I'm dealing with someone now at the moment and they're wanting to set up an e-commerce platform. Very, very weary about it. Very worried that it's going to cost an absolute fortune. I'm like because they have this mentality that websites are expensive you know and with that old school approach you know that's going to cost them money so i'm like no we can do this we can do it get it up and going add along to it as we go and i think the base package on shopify i think at the moment is 35 a quid a month or something like that and you have but you also have all now, your transaction costs as well and of course so yeah um but and your main up, cost is advertising still yeah and, and what a lot of people don't realize with the shopify stuff now obviously you can get plugins and you can get extra as you say extra bells and whistles you can outsource your maybe email marketing to something else but in the back end of Shopify it has everything you need to get up and going from delivery postal click and collect um, 
all that kind of stuff. So it is a fantastic platform. And one thing I will say about Shopify is I have been so impressed about with their backend support. I have had issues at one, two o'clock in the morning and I'm speaking to a person, which is what I like. And they're coming back with suggestions. And what I always like is sometimes they'll even scan your site and they'll say, just spotted this have a read of these articles they might help you with this issue which is something we weren't even talking about you know which is great so yeah, no, I do think their their back end support is fantastic and, and not withstand the back end support but their actual their educational stuff is quite good as well now look is someone who's running a small business going to take the time to digest all their blogs and their ebooks and stuff like that probably not but, but their if material they're doing, is actually quite good yeah but if they're consumable. invested in the website and if they're invested in getting their website humming they should they should be reading this stuff, you know, unless they take the time and outsource to someone else. Yeah. But if they're wanting to put the time and effort and get a good resulting website, they need to take the time. But to I think us. the main thing here is that, like, and I think it's the, the worry with people isn't necessarily that the website's going to cost them a lot of money. They have this in their mind that okay, it's going to cost me whatever amount of twenty twenty five grand, thirty grand, fifty grand, whatever. It's not just that cost, all right. It's you're now have a lower margin product because you're spending money on advertising, shipping, packaging, your transaction fees online are always going to be higher than they are on the till. Do I have to hire someone for 30, 40, 50 grand to manage the site because I can't do it myself? I think the beauty with Spotify, or not Spotify, Shopify, is that you actually don't, if you have a purchasing manager or something like that, they can do a lot of the work for you because it is so intuitive. Mm. Now again, if you want to scale and you want to grow, you do need expertise at some point to make sure that your email marketing is shit hot, very well designed, making sure that you're capturing customer data at various touch points and targeting people correctly, making sure your integrations with your social media shops and all that, making sure that's all right. So there is a lot there that um, the consultants bring to the table or that someone that you hire from outside is going to bring to the table, but you can definitely get started. And there's no reason why, like I've seen it, whereby someone has set up a shop they continue to do their normal social media posting haven't yeah. spent money on advertising and they haven't made mega bucks but they might have turned over they're throwing, grand they're, online or something like that and it gives you enough confidence they're pushing traffic say, through yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. and I think that's uh, that's what going back to the misguided issue that they have that's what you're now up against and I mean to me Shopify is one of the only real competitors to Amazon mm. because Amazon, it's an entirely different business model, right? Amazon, um, you give them your product and they own a massive chunk of that commission. With Shopify, you still own your product, you own your brand, you own all of your um, the content that goes into your website, but they will then enable you to sell. So in the US, they have Shopify warehouses, for example, that help you fulfill at the same rate oh, if you, you get would to, from If you Amazon. get to a certain level. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Like so, I think the boys in Gym Plus Coffee now, they've they've done all that kind of stuff. They're outsourcing a lot of their stuff to Shopify uh, warehouses, I think. Pretty yeah, sure they are. So the, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, again, there's a lot of benefits with it. And again, to me, they're the only real competitor to Amazon in terms of where they could go. Now it's not going to happen now, but it could happen in the next 10, 20 years. Um, but no, that's, I, I think it's an interesting, it's an interesting one. And it's another big player off the market, I would say, in that clothing space, which is getting pretty vicious at the moment, I would say. And on the back of that, actually, another bit of news that came out this week was TikTok now, a while ago, they've, they've partnered up with Shopify, but only this week now, they've actually started uh, launching in plugins for WooCommerce. So if anyone doesn't know WooCommerce, then that's kind of what would maybe plug into other websites like with your WordPress and stuff like that. So obviously that's pure competition there for Shopify. But only this week now, they're starting to plug in to kind of give TikTok uh, 
uh, functionalities that can do a lot of e-commerce you know, you know click through to the website uh, of whatever brand you're watching or products and all that kind of stuff affiliate marketing all that kind of stuff with influencers so they're trying to hop on the whole tiktok thing now as well because obviously they were losing out big time with the testing of shopify and tiktok yeah no and it makes look it makes sense for um tiktok ultimately they want to be integrated with as many platforms as they can so woocommerce big commerce magento mm. whatever you're whatever you want to whatever you want to be hooked into so nearly everything with shopify essentially yeah <laughs> so the like so for tiktok but woocommerce are also missing out because they've also only last month they integrated for the first time with pinterest as well so it's not they're feeling they're obviously feeling a big loss out now to the to the the, the power oh, but, of shopify but shopify is kicking the shit out of all, everyone in that market they're, again they're they're the one company out there who has just built this bespoke platform that understands that not everyone is a web developer who's going to be running a business. And again, WooCommerce, BigCommerce, they were all built initially for massive stores. That's not what a lot of people are focused on anymore. You might have maybe two, 3,000 SKUs, something like that. And again, that's a small enough site that you're not going to have a web developer on hand to fix these problems. So you need to have your proper backend support, your drag and drop functionality, easy integrations with your email uh, marketing and so on and so forth. Do you know what I mean? It needs to be very, very intuitive. And that's the way everything goes. So like even a number of years ago, you needed to be a Photoshop ninja to engage in graphic design. <laughs> yeah. Then Canva came along. Now, I'm not Canva's biggest fan because I don't think it offers you anywhere near the amount of functionality of Photoshop, which I still think is a relatively easy platform I think to manage. Is fantastic for no, day-to-day no, stuff. And it is no and it is and it is really, really good for that. If I can't I, do it on Canva, I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure yeah, I'm sure lazy because you never learned how to do Photoshop. I did. I just but, don't want to do it. No, no, no. Photoshop is oh, it's one of the best in the business. But like the the key the key here is that all of the all of the tools that we have evolve over time and it becomes easier. Um, even nowadays, if you want to shoot a promo video, you don't need to have a drone flying over New York. There is stock video there for that, which you can pay. Not and that, that is where I disagree for. with you because I hate with a passion using stock content. No, but if you're, no, but if you're a smaller business, you're not going to have a drone flying over New York. But if you're an SME inside in Ireland, you shouldn't be using stock photo of New York. I'm not talking about fucking Ireland. I'm no, talking about global <laughs> fucking podcast here. And we're talking about, oh, well, if it's Ireland. So ultimately what I'm saying is that there are there are easier routes for you to do things in marketing. Yes. Whether you agree with the tools, tactics or not is, is neither here nor there. The point is, Strongly is that... I disagree with a lot of nah, Never mind on. that. Never mind that. Um, so the point here is that um, it becomes easier for you to be a marketer ultimately, um, which is why then the differentiators become more important mm. because if everyone has access to all these different capabilities, then it's how you differentiate through your storytelling, which actually differentiates you in terms of the amount of engagement you're going to get, the amount of traffic and so on and so forth. In terms of the TikTok stuff though, what is your thoughts on the the integrations, basically shopping through, click-throughs, oh, no, it's, product it's, placements? It's, 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 it's all brilliant, but as I say, with all these things, it will have a shelf life and it will be ruined by ads eventually. I I, at the moment, it's fine. Um, I don't actually mind. I'm, I'm getting ads now at the moment. I think um, the minute I get an ad, the minute you go onto the platform, I think I get an ad and a couple of swipe throughs you get yeah, an ad. You but there's not, there's not a massive amount, but it's slowly starting to creep in more. Yeah, I don't I'll, want to be getting loads of product placements while watching the videos. It's great when you get an ad and you can skip it or whatever, but I, do, I think that the, the platform... you all the ads. No, but the platform thing is going to be ruined if it's just going to be every person that thinks they're a TikTok influencer is showing off a pair of jeans yeah, or a T-shirt. I don't, I, don't or, think that's, I don't think that'll happen. I think it'll be... 
it'll be more sophisticated than that. A bike dance have been clever enough. And they're like, I mean, in terms of attention, TikTok is more valuable than Instagram um, and Facebook combined at the moment in terms of the amount of time that people are spending on it. So they, they've got this right so far. I don't think they're going to ruin it that much, but they will have to monetize at some point. Well, and apparently in the articles reading there, the, the majority of their revenue in China, TikTok's revenue in China, is coming from in-stream integrations. Um, as they're partnering with top brands so that's where they're getting most of their money so they're not going to stop that it's just about I suppose monitoring and putting rules in place you know that's how they're going to make their money it's just making sure your feed is still predominantly dancing Creative. dogs <laughs> and um, and cats and funny videos or whatever you're into whatever your feed dictates you're into like, a, like our there. own like yeah. our own well, well, but again, but I would anyone say, listening follow us on TikTok you'll see yeah. Dave on TikTok yeah do see me on TikTok being kind of fucking arse myself because I don't create anything he does but the point here is that there's and again their targeting isn't as which I think is strange because TikTok there was a study last week that actually showed that TikTok sells captures the most data and sells the most data um, to third party providers and stuff like that so it's capturing the most data yeah which makes sense because of the amount because of the speed at which you're going through things S- I suppose it yeah. can look at what you're actually interested in where your attention is and so on and so forth because actually in terms of information you put in there's not much compared to the other platforms that you're putting in as in your own personal data that you use for your background, your bios and websites and links. No, there's not as much there. Ah, they'll know what you, they'll know as soon as you watch. You're not even integrating videos. like, you know, you do the whole Instagram or Facebook and you're connecting the accounts, WhatsApp, sign in with Facebook, all this kind of stuff. You're but not you doing can that. Do, well, you, you can, can do, do it, that, but. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, ultimately you're probably, most of you are probably logging in with their whatever Android or their Apple login or whatever and they have all that information then. But I mean, ultimately it doesn't matter. My point is, is that their the amount of data touch points that they have to me hasn't been reflected in the type of marketing content that they have shown me so far like i haven't bought anything yet from a tiktok ad i've been tempted to and it's been close but it hasn't quite been right so for example i get one that i'm getting constantly at the moment and there's a lot of repetition actually of the there same is, ads yeah. over and over again which i think is positive in terms of from the marketer's perspective because i think what often happens is if i'm on Instagram, I see an ad. I might be interested, but I'm probably not interested in looking right then. So therefore, I kind of forget about it as it goes on. Whereas if I am reminded multiple times, well, I'm see, more I'm the opposite purchase. now. If I get the same ad the whole time, it just pisses me off. I get fed up of it. Yeah, but you're cranky, like I know I am. You're very, very the... grumpy, like you have to work hard to get my attention. That's it, yeah, <laughs> but um, the, what they're trying to sell me at the moment is the other things you hang on your room, the glow, and the glow in the dark, fucking things. The sorry, the light strips or so what age like that. you that's my po- that's my point that's my exact point there's no logic in me getting that ad because I'm never going to get light strips because I'm not a 16 year old girl you stop watching the dancing dog videos <laughs> <laughs> but ultimately that's what it is so again I don't think their ad platform is as sophisticated as your Instagram your Facebook yet but I think it, it will get there across any of the platforms if you're showing ads does it make you want to buy I, I have bought from ads before yes yeah, yeah. I don't think I have I have definitely 100%. Yeah, no, I don't think so. And even Not if that I, I have anyway. I would say that even if I haven't bought directly via e-commerce, it has definitely influenced my perception of a brand. Mm. And there, which I then may have bought separately or maybe went into a store and bought or something like that. Stupidly actually saying, actually after saying that now, there's one brand that's catching me the whole time on Instagram. It's Nord Ace, I think. They're backpacks, you know, like kind of smart yeah, backpacks yeah. or whatever. Um but they're constantly feeding me as now because I think I stupidly click through to look at their shop online and yeah, so I'm getting targeting const- now 
I'm very close to buying a bag of them. If I do, I'll let you know and it'll be the first time I've ever bought something from ads. There you go. But yeah, no, that's the only time ever. So actually speaking of ads, another thing that popped up this week was Spotify. And obviously we use Spotify to put out the podcast, but they're starting to test the idea of putting clickable ads. Well, Spotify now, not Shopify. Oh no, yeah, no, no. I, I won't make those mistakes. Tongue-twied tied in. Anyway. Tongue-twied. Tongue-twied. <laughs> Tongue-twied. That drink is the right I stuff. Thought, I thought I put a cat. <laughs> so they're, um, they originally only had it in the US, but they've started branching out now to the UK, Australia, Canada. Go on now, don't make hands of this now. Do me proud. Go on. Open the can. Go on. Go All on, eyes continue, on you. Continue, continue. Um, so they are now doing clickable ads, as I said, while you are watching podcasts. So before we've, like if we, like say for example, now we use Acast, Acast will place ads, the start, the end, the middle, wherever you decide to put them, if you want to put them. Obviously we don't have a sponsor, so we can't do it, going back to what you said. But if now they're testing the idea that while you're watching, sorry, while you're listening to a podcast, um, a product placement or an ad will pop up on your screen, instead of you trying to remember, you know, discount codes you websites urls products all this it's actually popping up in front of you which i actually really like the idea of this one don't like it on social media platforms i do like it for this if it's going to pop up while i'm listening to an ad i think that's very very clever my issue with it is as a marketer as opposed to a consumer as a consumer fine because i won't see it no one watches their phone when they are listening to a podcast on spotify they will if they're watching us on youtube but on spotify you have very little interaction with your phone. If anything, you're going onto WhatsApp or checking your email. You're not on the actual Spotify interface when you're actually watch or listening to a podcast. So I think that it's, I get the idea and it's, I, I think it is clever, but I just don't think the but user I think engagement it gets into the is mindset. reflected in that way. I think if it gets into the mindset of people that while they're listening to an ad, they can flick on the phone. If they like the idea of what they're hearing and they want to find out more, it's there. Now, for people watching, for people listening to podcasts, or sorry, for people that are putting out podcasts, it might start trapping the listenership because people will head over yeah, to a website and a stop, won't come back. Do you know? Well, no, because if you go to another website, well, true, Spotify, it, still play. it, it, it yeah. still plays. It's not like YouTube, which is really annoying about YouTube. Actually, you have to watch it. You can't go on to, if I go on to WhatsApp. That's what the like, YouTube premium is for. really, yeah. really annoying. But anyway, um, no, I don't pay for that. I pay for fucking everything else. So I don't pay for YouTube premium. But the... Again, I think it's it's innovative, it's different, it's not very disruptive to the consumption experience, which I think is the best type of advertising, the one that's very, very seamless. If I was to spend that money as a marketer, it would want to be very, very cheap because mm. I really do not think you are going to have a massive amount of click-through rate from Spotify directly because I don't think the people have that interface open. And even if they do have it open, they're not watching it. They're looking at their desktop if they're in work or they're, again, on a different app, but Spotify is playing in the background or they're walking the dog or whatever the story is, you know. I'd um, be interested in seeing how much it is because I think like we'll say cinema or social media maybe to an extent, but more so go back to through cinema, you can really, really hyper-target your audience on podcasts because you know realistically exactly the audience that's yes. going to be listening to the podcast. So like... Um, was it Nielsen and Spotify done a kind of joint uh, study uh, over in the UK where 34% of Spotify users pay the most attention to ads on Spotify whereas 62% more than what they would on radio so like a way higher percentage on uh, on Spotify are going to be listening to ads and will remember the ads but that but that, that, that so one it's Nielsen data and I'm not too 
gone on that because again, <laughs> if you look at JNLR, oh no, I don't agree every, with no, no JNLR. Is... But you're doing that comparison, right? So it's it's it, it it's not it's but not it, as it accurate. is true. Like they say, what I think is one in one in it's here one in three or one in five. I think probably one in five. Um, adults listen to pod- podcasts in the UK. Oh yeah, that's fine. But my point here is that, so the reason, like what you're saying there, that people recall the ad or they listen to the ad fully, is that if you're in the radio, or if you're if you're if you're listening to the radio, you probably just have on a station and they're randomly playing music. You might be listening to a show, but a lot of the time you just have background noise or just listen to music, right? When the ads come on, your first thing is that you switch. To a different station that True. doesn't have ads. Now I know a lot of them sync up the ads so that there's ads all playing yeah. at the same time. But and just end up back on the you one you're still, on. <laughs> you still you still flick through. With Spotify, your behavior is that you have chosen what you are listening to. It's mm. either a playlist of songs or it's a specific podcast. So therefore, of course, you're not going to change onto a different podcast just because an ad comes on because you want to listen to the end of that podcast. So the behavior is entirely different and your attention is focused on Spotify, whereas it's not on the radio. So like it, that, that makes sense again, as a kind of a, as a value proposition. And again, you can't click on a radio ad, which is an issue. You can click technically on a, on a Spotify ad. Yeah. So look, well, I see the, I see the value in it. Um, again, my big worry would be that if it is too expensive, you won't get the click to rate that you would want as a marketer. And therefore, you won't get the benefit on the far side of it. Like if I was Spotify, well, I would have an integration with Shopify, whereby you advertised you advertise via Shopify to Spotify, and the advertiser only pays if there's actually a purchase. Well, that's what it probably will go to. You know, and I think like like Pro- eventually, for example, but a lot of them don't do that. But moment. for example, at the moment, like over in the UK, like I said, it's not it hasn't reached to Ireland yet. It's in the UK, Australia, Canada, and the US. Um. Some of the brands now that are using in the UK are BT, GoDaddy, and Huel. So Huel are the, the the drink. Yeah. Like I would be a big fan of Steve Bartlett's podcast uh, yeah. over in the UK, and he's like a investor, corporate, whatever he is, and in, involved in Huel, and he always has the can on the table in front of him. Like so, he's obviously going to land ads onto this, you know, to go and buy Huel. But it would make, as you said, make total sense that if they can go straight through to the site and buy a case of it or buy a bottle of it or whatever it is and get it sent out to them. You know that kind of thing integrating that way into ads. No, it do, and again, I can see it for the big, for like for the more well-known brands. I can see how that would work. Again, I just don't. Think, I think there again, if someone is watching Bartlett and they see Huel there, that will have more impact in terms of brand awareness because you're watching him. I just do not see the use case for someone looking at the interface of Spotify because why would you? Well, they do have the videos integrated as well. Not really. Some it's of them, only, the big it's ones. It's only it's it's shorter. Steve Bartlett does. Joe Rogan yeah. has. So some of the big ones. But it'd be interesting to see what way they do it. I do think, yeah, as you said, maybe an integration into the the Shopify site might yeah. be a good way to go with it. So hopefully they do that. So I suppose the last thing to kind of mention is more of a follow up from the last couple of weeks, and we don't have we don't have any news or updates when we came on to record this. But probably by the time we put this out, the the verdict will be made. Yeah. Mr. Depp and Mrs. Hurd's case um, is all wrapped up and finished and final statement's done and waiting on who's getting the slap on the wrist now, basically. Um, I'm waiting for the Netflix documentary to be on the <laughs> There's only one. Look, no matter what the verdict is, Johnny Depp has won the culture war. Simple as that. Um, maybe it's... Now and again, I don't think it's just my feed. If I read any of the news articles, a lot of it really has said that this is a trial by social media. 
and Depp's team have come out better. Social media, he not. has you, come out better. If you take all the filming side of the way, if you were able to sit in the courthouse for the the whole of this thing, his legal team are phenomenal. They are unbelievable. Um, the final statement that they made was um, it was incredible. Well, like, doesn't it just come down to who wins ultimately? Do you know? Yeah, it does actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So hopefully, <laughs> I won't be regretting split, that. Split my my verdict probably probably be split decision. There won't be a. It'll just be no no winner, basically. He's happy. I know he's back gigging again. He turned up on stage in the UK, was a day or two after the the final statements. Yeah, look, I mean, I can see... Look, I'm not I'm not a celebrity, therefore I cannot comment on something like this, but I would imagine if you've got... But I will, yeah, quid, I will not comment, yeah, but I will. <laughs> but if you have several million quid in the bank, if you're accused of something like that, it's really, really bad, and you would want to vindicate yourself, saying that you didn't do this. But at the same time... It, it's not the same as a normal person, for want of a better word, being no. wrongly accused and, you know, their no, whole for life ev- forevermore, around, this know. will be tarnished with him no matter what the outcome of the case is such. Like, it'll be brought up in interviews, it'll be brought up in... It'll make people think twice about working with whoever, either side it, of it, them. It will, but again, it's Johnny Depp. He's had a good run. I'm not... I, like, they're, ce- they're celebrities, right? I'm not saying that, Joe, this is par for the course, but look... If you're if you're signing up to that kind of a lifestyle, we've heard all of the stories, right? Because it's Johnny Depp and Johnny Depp is very very charming, people are kind of like, "Ah, sure, that's Johnny Depp, that's grand." <laughs> if that was Bob from up the road, yeah. and there was an accusation of the same type of behaviour with just a normal woman, you'd be looking at Bob going, "Bob's a bit, Bob's a bit nuts." Maybe he <laughs> did, you know what I mean? So again. This is all framed in the world of people of a certain perception yes. of Johnny Depp and he's a bit of a mad character anyway. Um, no, there's nothing as mad now in my eyes as the person they brought up on the stand there a couple of days ago. Um, oh, the, psychiatrist. the psychiatrist, the fella. Yeah, he said, I believe he said that when he was making his interpretation of whether, I can't remember the exact phrase, but it was something like whether Johnny Depp has... Um, Lacks in cognitive function or something oh, yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. He watched. So like any psych- psychologist factory. or psychiatrist or whatever would get ask a couple of sh- you know basically stupid questions or bit regular questions to get a baseline of a person, and he came and said that he was, um, gathering his baseline from watching an actor on screen, which is take the license off it's that man straight away. Nuts is what it is. It's absolutely for. If he can get as much airtime as he has done on TikTok, then someone should sponsor us because <laughs> we are far more articulate than fucking he is. Three mentions for a sponsor in this episode, yeah. We're des please, please. Oh. So I think that's it for this week. I think that's it for this week. Thank God Zones here. That means that the edit's gonna take a lot less, which is great. Um the production value is much higher again. So yeah, welcome back on and um we will see everyone next week. Give us a sign off there. Uh, do I have to look at the fucking camera? You do. For fuck's sake. I have to do it every other week. Oh, no, I did it last week as well. Um, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, you can follow us across social media channels. If you want to see me making a tit of myself, go on to TikTok because Dave makes a lot of content, which isn't fun. And um, yeah, we'll talk to you next week. Good luck. <laughs>